0: all right guys welcome to another episode of the type one lifting podcast i am super excited about this episode we have the president of sports for loud and live matt o'keefe how's it going man
1: Oh, dude it's great to see you and we're we're rekindling old flames so i'm excited Uh, to be with you
0: yeah so for the listeners i wanted to surprise them like on the recording but I, i already told them already but uh so I used to be a bartender at a bar he used to go to because his the manager his buddy was one of the managers and so that's how we've known each other for so long. But, but this is like the first time in like what like fifteen twenty years that we actually started talking again.
1: Probably fifteen years, and, and uh, I probably was your worst nightmare back then. At, at raising hell at Dylan's in Boston, man. I go by there all the time now, and I just laugh because of the hell we raised in there. It was a, such a fun time. You know? Oh,
0: that was such a blast! Yeah, and like I. I was always appreciative of you when you were there because you would always help out with, like, some like some jack wagon decided to be, like, cause trouble, and you were, like, always there to help out.
1: <laughs> Usually, it was probably me. He's being nice. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Well, it's good to see you.
0: Yeah, so, you, so you're, like, one of the busiest guys in CrossFit, but, you know, how did you even get involved in CrossFit?
1: I walked into a gym like so many people. I, I um funny, like, and I was just starting to tell you this, like, I I stopped drinking, like, abruptly because I needed to, and um, changed my life, and I got into fitness, and this was, like, I just got, I just had 10 years of sobriety in January. Oh, congratulations. Thank you, and so, like, I was, like, back, you know, doing things fitness-wise, and just started to get bored with all the, like, yoga, TRX stuff, just so repetitive, and there's a gym down the street from my house, and I was like, shit, I'll try this. It was one of the original CrossFit gyms in the world. It was, like, number 50. Wow. And, um, But, like, at the right time, right place, right time for me because it was, like, the start of the games getting really big, but the Open was this monumental annual thing that the gyms all celebrated. Mm-hmm. And I walked in the door at, on 12.1, and it was seven minutes of burpees, and I dove in the workout. And funny enough, like, when you've done enough CrossFit, a lot of times like your first workout can be demoralizing it was uniquely you know uh you know welcoming because it was just like lay down and get up and a bunch of people rooted for you and i was like this is badass and i like had a a really fun time with it and i was hooked and so that that was that's how i got into crossfit i literally like i think if i had walked in and it was like thrusters and pull-ups i'd have been like fuck this i'm done it just it just was like the perfect entry for me I've been hooked ever since, like, you know, got in the business
0: side, and, like, the rest was history. It's been amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so pretty much with me, I started at an Air Force base, and we were doing, like, box jumps, and he's like, usually we have to do an on-ramp program, but you look pretty fit, so, you know, you're good. And I was like, all right, because I used to do, like, the 300 workout and, like, bro splits and all that that crap, and I was like i was like i gotta do something different and so then i just start i got i started doing that and i just it, it, i got hooked because like there's typically in a in a global gym you have people that say hello to each other but they're pretty much like headphones in you know focus on what they're doing and they don't have the camaraderie as, as for crossfit that
1: that's you know honestly that's what got it hooks in me was you know missing sports and, yep. you know i think like you know back in those days when we were hanging out and spending time we were playing softball flag football and but it was just like I was missing something you know and that's it 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 filled that like I was always such a big team sports guy I played in college and um it like completely filled that void I I was talking to somebody in the industry you know there's so much going on in the sport right now we're all trying to like get moving in the right direction and and uh what we've talked about missing is like you know the regionals events were like these cool high school football game scenes like yeah small yep. small college football university stuff like big high school football type gatherings where it was like you know five to ten thousand people screaming for just you know local heroes you know um and like finding a way to sort of gravitate back towards that which is i think where the scene's going you know but it was uh man it's it's uh it's been a rough couple of years with it yeah Still fun, but like it's uh, it's starting to get moving in the back back in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a really cool couple of years for CrossFit with the new direction.
0: Very cool. But uh, so I want to go back to your being sober. sober. So you're ten oh. 10 years in. So what what made, what was like the straw that broke the camel's back with uh, your drinking?
1: It was probably you. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it, it, it was. Uh, I mean, honestly, like you know, we're all young and like ran around crazy, which was like it just like didn't stop for me honestly i think i was like 33 and i was like doing the same things and you know running around boston too many nights a week and and it was you know became i just kind of like i i today it was so hard at the time but today like i'm so grateful for being able to identify that like i just didn't do well with it yeah and being okay with it you know it's like some people look at it and get sober and they're like They were like embarrassed by it. Like to me, it was like, "Hey, I tried really hard to figure that whole thing out and be social, and I just wasn't social. I was like, you know, a full throttle drinker. Um, It wasn't a problem for me. It was everybody around me. And then, you know, eventually, it woke. I woke up and I was like, this is like not the way I want to live.' I had two. I had two young kids, uh, an infant at the time, and I was like super functional, but like not functional at all for what my family saw or experienced. So it was just, you know, it was time, honestly, like it was hard um, because I was, you know, and we knew each other well back then. Like I was so social and I yep. was so, um, and, you know, my community now is fitness. My community then was like the bar. Room, yeah. Know? And it, it, it was, um, you know, a lot of my friends were there and it was a hard couple of years, but dude, it's like the best thing I've ever done. It, it's, it's, I honestly, I like look back at it now and it's like, you know, what I identify most with is like, you know, not, you know, most people that are having it in the right place, like drinking isn't even a thing. It's like, you know, have a beer here and there, or, you know, I could never do that. And so I'm grateful now that it's not a part of my life. Cause I'm, it's super simple, like outdoor ski, run around with my kids. Yep. Like yeah. I can beat myself up in other ways that are steering a little more towards healthy, but yeah, it's, um, it's been a while. Like I woke up and it was 10 years, honestly. And I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing right now. If I hadn't gotten sober, I can very confidently say that nobody would trust me yep. and I wouldn't be, you know, in the position I'm in in the sport. And so yeah, it's been, you know, it's funny. Like I, you know, I wrote in Matt Fraser was very open about his sobriety, but like he and I helped each other. Like he helped me a lot. Um, but, you know, we laugh about it. Like we, you know, he's the fittest man in history. Like I'm doing what I'm doing in the space with him. And, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago, the two of us were like in a gutter you know, drinking beers.
0: So mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's, a, it's been a wild ride.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, like, I'm not like a heavy, heavy drinker, but it's like, is it really worth having like one or two, like one random night? I don't, I don't think it's like for me, I don't really think it's worth it, but you know, it's just trying to say like, okay, just take the week off of drinking and then, you know, see what happens. Just try to go, like, you know, week by week. But, you know, I don't that's know. That's what
1: I think. I, I think that's where, I think that's what I identified with most in that, like, I would take weeks or two off and be like, you know, but the point is, is like having to do that for me was the identification. It was like, why do I have to, like, monitor this?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ah, it's because I can't. You know, that to me, and like that's not speaking to you. It's yeah, just yeah. like, my piece was always like, well, if I'm trying to govern it, like, why do I need to govern it? Like, I have to abstain because, like, that to me was the issue. It was, like, me having to constantly monitor, think about, worry about, you know, decide if it's too much, what the right mix is, like, all right, just cut it out. Yeah, that It's just too complex for me and I don't agree with it. So I kind of submitted. And it's, like, the whole, th- like, you know, the AAA thing is, like, you know, the powerless thing. And I identified with that. That's where AAA came in for me. It was, like, I am powerless because it's running my fucking life at this point. Right? Yeah. And cutting it out, boom. Like I was able to, you know, get through all of being able to like not do it very quickly. And honestly, it's been years of just like now fast forwarding into like real positive stuff in my life, not having to worry about something I said the night before because I had too many beers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I look at my career in the path, like there's a lot of social activity in our space. It's funny how little drinking goes on in the CrossFit space. It's actually something I I observe often where I'm like these guys. Like I I, I run Waterpaloos. I own a piece of Wadapalooza now. It's the biggest party in history, and like nobody drinks. No, you know, they drink. You know, like the after party, but like it's not like it, for me and what we experienced in Boston. That'd have been a puddle scene for fifty thousand <laughs> people. Like yeah, it's, you know, it's a different yeah. atmosphere. So yeah, it's 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 um. I always like caution on my side, you know, I don't sell it to anybody, but it was the right move for me. Yeah. You know? um, and people who are wondering if, you know, they have an issue, like, try not doing it for a long time and it's like I think you'll probably figure it out off of that, you know.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. I mean I I thank you for talking about that too. So that's that's awesome. Yeah,
1: I don't I look at it completely from a perspective of if I can help somebody at this point great yeah you know i've learned and and matt's kind of taught some of this to me because he's been willing to be very open at maybe a a sacrifice to how people perceive him maybe it looks like weakness and he um he was very courageous in sharing that he was sober for a reason in you know five six years ago and i was always like dude eh, maybe you want to like it makes sense to me yeah it's it's I've now heard from people that have helped because I've spoken about it and dude, I'm willing to share. Like it doesn't, it is who I am. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can do about
0: it. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, so you started actually a clothing line, which I was pretty interesting. Redline gear a while back. So that actually, that was like when I realized I saw like the about page and I saw you working out and I'm like this, wait a second, he owns this thing. And so how did, how did redline come about? It was just really quickly in the gym, I, I, you know,
1: that those days of like 2012 and 13 were like the incubation period of the sport and then a lot of business around it. Uh-huh. Some of the businesses you see today that are, you know, massive, you know, probably multi-billion dollar, billion dollar brands like Rogue or Noble or, you know, RX Bar was a bar, a brand built in a CrossFit gym. All were being birthed at the, that time. We yeah. All started. You know, Rogue was a little further along, but, you know, they're the largest fitness brand in the world at this point. And they were all born in an affiliate. And the same with what I was doing. It was just like, I think everybody at the time was so passionate about it. The sport was growing and it was such a cool community. And you were able to build some things that, you know, your community gym and then the surrounding would attach to and identify with. And I wanted in, like to to, I, you know, I'd always been entrepreneurial in in, in spirit, but never uh, had the like stones to step out on my own. Yeah. And that was it. It was just kind of like, I'm gonna do something while I'm doing something else, and just see how this goes. And I think within like four or five months, you know, I was in the insurance business. They were like, dude, you should do that. It's doing so well. We love what you do with us, and but go, like you're you're ready. And that's kind of like. You know, it was the biggest, you know, I got sober, but like the biggest, like thing I'd ever done for myself outside of getting sober was taking a chance on myself because now knowing that and and having done that, I've never been more comfortable in, in, in business and in my, you know, in, in my mindset around business, because I don't care if I have to start over again. I know how to do it. Yeah. You know, working for yourself, taking a chance on yourself. Gives you a lot of confidence in the current thing you're doing, and then what's next? Like I, I love what I do, yep. and if I don't at any point, I'll just go do something else because I know how to do
0: it. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. So, what made you actually stop Redline here? Was it just pretty much like being being an agent to some of the CrossFit athletes and like loud and live? What was when? What made you stop?
1: Yeah, it was um really that. Like I, I hit a pivotal point. I don't even know when it was. Like I was still doing Redline. And being an agent in say like the beginning of 2018, and my current partners um, Nelson and Marco, who who started Loud Live, asked me to consult on Waterpalooza. and I was still doing both at the time on my own. I had a thing called Team Group, which was my agency, yep. Redline, and um, I consulted them uh, just trying to like get them more. They bought Waterpalooza were entertainment guys, Latin music guys. They didn't really, they loved the vibe of the brand in, in the, the event, but didn't have a lot of understanding of the community and space. And then they, they were kind of like transitioning with the current partners, the guys that had established it, Guido and Steve. And that's really kind of was the transitional period. You know, I consulted and then flew down there like a couple weeks after the event and they were like, dude, we want to, you know, buy your agency, merge you. Like we want to, figure out how we do this like we would really like you to start you know being heavily involved in water and i was kind of shocked at the time because i would always saw my path being you know more agent side of the, the business with you know talent and then you know you know merging into other markets like you know how do i get into football baseball or, uh-huh. you know, things like that and um i was a huge fan of Wadapalooza. like i was you know a brand that i had been there with my brand I had been there with athletes, I had been there as a fan, so I consumed the event on a lot of angles, and I'm like, uniquely, I think, probably, like, delusional confident sometimes, and and they're like, can you run this? And I was like, you know what, I can. You know, I know how to do this, and it's like, partner with people, like, I can get people that I trust and that trust me to come and and take a chance on this, so I merged with those guys, and then at the time, it was just kind of like, I can't do all this anymore, um, something I had to give and, and you know I basically just you know decided that it was time to like put Redline to rest it was like one of those things where I was like could I sell it probably but it wasn't enough to make sense of me living I was so attached to the brand consumer facing that it was something I didn't want to endure somebody else operating in a certain way and I didn't have control but I might even suffer any of the consequences of it you know yeah so uh, I just, you know, I steered all my, you know, stuff in one direction and emerged with these guys, and you know, it's been a crazy few years.
0: Yeah, very cool. And I know your first client was Matt because I believe you, I said in another podcast that you he had a contract that you he wanted you to read because he didn't really trust anybody else. And so it. Was you, it. yeah. And so, how did like going from you know being an agent to Matt to becoming more like a couple an agent for a couple of like high profile CrossFit athletes.
1: Yeah. Cause, it, cause the Matt work was more of like friend helping friend, honestly yeah. at the beginning. And he didn't like, it was less that even, it's kind of funny. We laugh about it today cause we're just like so aligned with each other and, you know, doing so many things together. But what, you know, at the beginning it was like, he trusted me more than anyone else. He didn't trust me. You know it was one of those type of things where like his parents were professional athletes. they actually had a bad experience with an agent at one point, they were professional skaters, yeah on a tour and so I had like a lot a big hurdle to get overcome with him just from perception. It had nothing to do with me and his parents who were sort of advisors at the time, he was a young kid you know he was yeah. in his early twenties and he had no designs on being a professional crossfitter he was like most focused on like okay this crazy guy wants to sponsor me me and then i can chase these you know two to five thousand dollar paychecks at local gyms around the country and make some money and i'm gonna get my engineering degree and get a job and i was like a geek on the sport and i'm watching him and i'm like i watched him at regionals this year had nothing to do with him and i'm like this kid is friggin badass and i've always like been a talent guy like i've always like loved sport and analyze like i know a lot about hockey I've never played hockey like it was it's always just been something I've been interested in and he um, he was an athlete I sponsored and started to get stuff pushed his way and he was like all right dude like your wife's a lawyer like how, can you just look at this thing for me and tell me what you think about it and you know I think the time it was like a supplement contract and I was like dude that is obscene like I do not sign that and that's how it started and really what was built was his trust in me. And there were no agents in the space and people would be like, wow, like really what happened is you got a Nike deal. And like, there's a huge story behind that, but that was a time at which I encouraged him to go get an agent mm-hmm. because I thought I was over my skis at that point. And yeah, I was like, Listen. And he's like, dude, I, I trust you. Like, let's do this. And I had a mentor that did basketball and golf. And, and so I picked people's brains and he was really happy about it and proud of it. And people wanted to be with Nike at the time because he was the only one really. And so they'd be like, hey, how'd you get that deal? And he would be like, go talk to O'Keefe. And then and I became, like, I just started getting, like, calls from all the major athletes. And it was, like, a first to market. And the the thing I'm most proud of is the retention. Like, all my clients are still my clients. And we're still getting all the opportunities on that side in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of work since then to get where we are. Because I knew nothing at the yeah. time. Yeah. I cut teeth on Matt. Um, and you know that's dangerous and scary at the same time because this is this kid's life. You know he's not retired, and you know he'll work, but like doesn't need to. And I'm really proud of that. And uh, but it, yeah, it really started with that. And and honestly, him being my biggest fan is really how everything kind of got snowball rolling down the hill. You know, um, it was really cool.
0: Yeah, very cool. And so you started becoming a you know someone to watch over his water Like you said before, just like the, like a cons, you know, someone to consult. So what made you get involved into, I know you, a lot of live bought, you bought your agency and stuff, but what made you wanted to do more like sanctional events like the West coast yeah. classic?
1: Yeah. So it was, um, there was a lot of turmoil in the space, right? So I merged the beginning of 18, um, you know, regionals happened, and then, you know, um, it's funny, like, all the shit hit the fan at the games that year in 18. Yeah. Like, new CEO, Jeff Kane, and, like, there was big change coming, and then I was on, I was at HQ and talking to them about, like, some of the future of the way things look, and, like, we might be interested in doing more. Never been in the event space. I hadn't even run... I, don't, I hadn't even had a, a full wad of blues under my own belt at that point, under... as an operator. Mm-hmm. And it was like a... Um, it was it was sort of like a buyer's market. Like there was a free for all at that point, and we're you know we run hundreds of concerts, festivals. Like I was you know, and my partners were like, "Go, oh, you know, we can do a really good job with this." So we went to them and we're just like, "Hey, if there are opportunities, we love them." Um, you know, so we started new events in Spain, California, which was a great market that just didn't have an event, um, Mexico, and then we bought Granite Games, which was probably the second largest event in the world. Um, you know over the last 10 years Um, but you know the event space so traditional sports marketing would be similarly to how we're structured we're just like highly visible so it looks weird to like a very passionate space and you know sometimes conflicting like he owns events and he manages athletes and he represents brands on marketing well so does IMG and so does Octagon and so does Wasserman like these big agencies do it but they get a pass because they you know work with LeBron James and they own you know you know you know they work with tiger and they own golf events like it nobody like the optics are different uh-huh. we're doing what everybody does in in the sport marketing world, so it was a natural progression because the the ecosystem supports itself like we do you know our foundation is athletes it's an athlete first business and you know, all these things support the ecosystem. These events support brands, brands support athletes, athletes support events. And we all kind of raise the tide together, you know? And um, and we get earned and gained a lot of trust in the market from all those pillars, other event organizers, athletes, you know, are always our, our go-to. And you know, we try to <clears throat> build sound events for athletes, spectators, partners, and volunteers. So everybody has quality experience. And, you know, we just try to like, move in the right direction you know um and so it's been it's it's a natural progression it looks abnormal to the the non-educated observer that wouldn't understand the sports marketing world
0: yeah and it's not like you're doing the programming so
1: oh me no No. like honestly it's like it's kind of the one thing that comes up every year and it's like do i know what the workouts are before we press go on it yeah but like i and you know, I've had a like I had at the time for a long time, and now it's over because Matt's retired. I was uniquely attached to Matt's camp, so I was very read in on a daily basis on Matt. And so I've always pointed in that direction on the sport where it was like somebody else program. At one year we had all the coaches program. Uh-huh. You know, Other year we had a couple advise, and I, I've got a guy Dylan who's you know my right hand man. That's amazing at it. He's been in the sport for ten years. I don't get involved in that shit. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, we do a really good job with it. You know, I don't, and I don't, I want the optics to be proper on that. I could get involved in that. and It would be fine. Cause I know I would do things about board, but I don't, because, you know, I don't want anybody to think, you know, well, by the way, on the floor at any given time, in a the heat, there's probably five of our athletes, you know, but nobody, everybody trusts that we do the right thing. And the the, the results prove it. You know, people have a good experience, their balance tests, Um, you know, nobody knows the workouts. Matt doesn't compete at our events, which it wouldn't matter anyway. He's just so talented, yeah. Programming is, but you know, so yeah, I mean, no, I don't, I don't dabble in programming. There are other people that are far better at that than
0: I, yeah. I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm not, I'm not the, I'm trying to work on becoming a better programmer, but it's like you, like, there's like so much information coming from all over the place. You're like, okay, I need to do this or this, but it's like, just stick to the basics pretty much.
1: I do. I, you know, I program for myself, which isn't, you know, but I think it's what, um, like I've learned so much over the last 10 years. I don't, pro, like I'll grab workouts from CompTrain, from proven, from, you know, from Matt's program, whatever it might be to just like, you know, something I like, but then like, if there's a barbell in it, like I'll lighten it up or I'll even take it out and put like an object in. I know where like, I don't want to wake up and not be able to put my arms. Over I used to do it crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like I I I'm a, I've eliminated a lot of kipping because of my shoulders. You know I do a lot of burpees, a lot of machines. Um, you know it's it's funny. Like I think a lot of people would benefit from what I do, but I don't think a lot of people would be attracted to what I do.
0: Yeah you know? yeah. Everyone 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 wants to see the heavy weights and they want to lift the heavy weights. I mean I'm I'm guilty of that too. So I'm like I've never lifted as much as I have ever till like this year. And so it's just like all right, I want to keep on going. I have hit my PR and I'm like okay maybe go up another ten more pounds. But I'm like 41 and it's like, I'm still feeling pretty good, but it's just like, when, when's the point where I need to realize like, all right, I need to taper it down a little bit.
1: You know what the answer is, is it's always personal on that yeah. side. Cause look, I have a lot of friends, like I'm, you know, what, they're 43 and you know, I've run in the master's comp Train system, you know, and had a lot of fun comparing workouts with friends around the world and like, you know, competed. And there's a crowd of people I ran with that are still going at it hard. Yeah. You know? This kid, Mike Dutour, owns my gym in Swampscott. That that I go to. That still competes at a high level. He is a borderline Games athlete. You know, and he and I used to be like very competitive with each other. Like I just don't do it. Like for me, um, it, it it came down to like that, Like I needed to value how I felt on a daily basis. And he is healthy. Like his shoulders are healthy. His knees are healthy. He's not. He moves really well, so do I. I just have some things that like when I start to load up a lot, like they start to bother me. Like my knees, you know, because I played football and you know, and I banged myself up and, and baseball and my shoulder's a mess. It is what it is. You just gotta like take care of yourself. If you're feeling good lifting, like I have friends that I you know, that'll come to my garage and work out that are like fifty five years old that are, you know, doing, you know, five sets of five with four hundred pounds on a deadlift. It's, like I used to do that stuff, but it's like, I, it's like, you know what? I will be sore like the next day, unhealthy sore. Like, yeah. Cause my hip, my hip hurts or something. It's like, you know what? You just got to do what's best for you.
0: Yeah. And you want to be functional throughout the whole day. Like, like you've talked about So it's, yeah, I, I completely agree. So, um, obviously with, with all of like the whole changes of the new CEO and all that stuff, like with the, you know, Co- George, George Floyd and the COVID issue that, you know, Greg Glassman did. So, um, what did you guys, like, what did your team talk about, like, when that happened?
1: Yeah, it was a, um, it was, that was a crazy time. Oh my I god, insane. I was, I, was, I was in Tampa with Matt, uh, we were, he was visiting, uh, Alex Guerrero from TV12, um, and I remember we were sitting there with Alex, and that thing popped over, and it was like, holy cow, like, we, to know even what would transpire after seeing that, you could have never predicted it, but... I mean, our immediate reaction was, I think how, like, I think a lot of people outside would have been like, wow, a lot of people aggressively reacted, but I don't think people have enough history to understand what the reaction meant to us, you know, what what our reaction was sort of derived from, you know, there was a lot of buildup to that. And there's a lot of great people at CrossFit HQ still there that you know and we're all working in the right direction and together and i'm really excited about where they're going um but at the time it was a lot of pain like there was a lot of you know weird stuff that was going on and it was like a sort of straw that broke our back you know i think for a lot of people and you know we're excited about the change that happened you know a new guy is there as a leader eric he's an awesome guy and i think he'll you know make a lot of great changes that will be highly successful for all the people in the ecosystem, no matter in or out of the system, um, brands, you know, gyms. But at the time, you know what, it was, um, it was a really uh, stressful, heavy time and a lot of, you know, arguing, you know, back and forth about like reaction and why so aggressive from certain people that, you know, were internal saying like, well, you know, I'm here. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, there's a bigger problem here that's culture that needs to change. And um, I give them a lot of credit because there's a lot of people now there that have adopted the new culture and change. But at the time, it was warranted. And I think a lot of people didn't realize that on the outside, which was like, why did the athletes react so aggressively? Like, why did the event organizers peel out immediately and not have a conversation? It was because a lot of people had had it with, um, you know, the current leadership at the top. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, kind of how culture was structured and, um, you know, it was, it's been a long haul, you know, to the point we're at today, but, um, I would, I wouldn't change it because I think we're in a really good place.
0: Good. And I know COVID put a damper on a lot of the, you know, the sanctions that you had planned. So what's your plan for 2021?
1: yeah it's a really good question um we're in the midst of trying to figure it out you know we're uh we're hoping to have you know some involvement in the season yet to be determined but you know get you know hopefully finalizing soon with some of our events waterpalooza will we'll, we'll go back to january we're not going to do it this year mm-hmm, yeah uh, but we're going to do it again in 22 january 22 and you know it's sort of the way the, the, the event season is structured now it'll live outside the system mm-hmm. but it will be a um I think it'll be a nice, you know, uh, showcase event. We'll put a lot of prize money up. You know, it's where it used to be in the system. Like, it never lived as part of the season. So, um, we're excited. Like, I think we're going to grow that event massively. Like, we're going to start to add powerlifting, weightlifting, strongman. You know, we want to add a road race. Um, You know, and then the evolution is, like, more sports down the line. That, you know, like, three-on-three basketball, beach volleyball. Like, we want to build a really... Uh, inclusive fitness week in Miami, um, you know, over the next three to five years. And so we're really putting a lot of energy towards that. And then, you know, anything we're involved with the season, we believe in, you know, the sport and want to support it um, and are excited to be a part of it. Um, I wish I had something to report today other than, you know, right now it's probably going to be finalized in the next week, you know, how that looks. But there's going to be open – they're going to peel 10% of that out and put them in a quarterfinal. Yep. That will move into a semifinal phase, which will be 10 global events, which will be structured a lot like what regionals used to be like. Okay. And those events will be uh, global events that were part of the sanctional season. So mm-hmm. those, they'll take 10 of the 25 sanctionals and insert them in semifinals. So, very cool. you know, hoping, hoping to have some involvement there. And then, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a year – that we need to get through um on the event side it's like you know a tough year because i think a lot of us in march last year would have pointed towards this time this year and been like all right we'll we'll just get back to there we can get back to business and it's going to be a while you know we're probably looking at miami in january of 22 being like probably the next big time Uh our crowd you know in Q4 and Q1, basically, that the crowd can get back together the way that they like to, which is, you know, probably still with masks on, but, you know, not worrying (laughs) about numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm like, I I do this daydreaming all the time of like, you know, just let it be two years from now, you know, back to normal, because it's going to be a while, unfortunately, but I think we're becoming a better, stronger business unit and a better system you know for all of this and there's a lot of suffering and pain involved in that that's unfortunate that you know i wish we could change there's people closing gyms there's events that are folding you know there's athletes that aren't able to train anymore and got to go take jobs um you know we're all we all have our play but we've got to get through it mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to support each other and you know the next six months are going to be tight yeah you know, it's gonna be tight for the system i will right, we'll be okay um there's a lot of positivity the games was amazing um you know that just pulling that off was a victory um even you know some people like oh it was weird five and five like it didn't matter what we did like it, it, we were there people were competing together they yep. found a world champion they found the right people um so you know it would be great this year if that event looked like at least you know 40 athlete male female on the floor competing against each other for the title so that it's more normalcy um, which I think is a possibility it 'll just be a stretch to think that you know we 'll have twenty thousand people a day in Madison, you know?
0: yeah, I hear you, so my my zoom d- was trying to screw with me right now, so we have five minutes left Let's do it. so, <laughs> so uh, I, I typically do an hour, but for some reason, it wants me to upgrade right now, so i 'm getting screwed off of this, so I mean, okay. I have so many other questions to ask you, but I usually we
1: have. We can do it again sometime. Okay,
0: I appreciate it. So, um, one of the questions is: So, do you have like a favorite book? I, so, these are like the last like four questions. So, do you have like a favorite book you like to read at all? Like
1: to read? It's usually the you know. Um, I love a lot of Malcolm Gladwell stuff. Yep. Uh, Outliers um, is is a is a really good book. I like. Um, I've read all his books. I don't really, honestly, I don't really have a, like a go-to. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, like, you know, I love Rogan's podcasts. Um, I love a lot of endemic podcasts in our space. There's a lot of great minds in our space. Yeah, I, I listen to a lot of, I like to listen to Matt. I like to listen to Ben. I like to listen to Shane, Tia. Um, but yeah, you know, that, I'm not, I'm not your book guy. Yeah, I'm not, you know, um, it's, it's, it's on my 21 bucket list to start to get, uh, to start to, you know, I have, I have some goals for a book a quarter, which is a lot for me. I'm usually, my books are emails. So I try to get through <laughs> my 200 emails a day. Yeah, yeah. But, but no, yeah, I would, I like, I'm, I'm, I will tell you on the book side, I like to be entertained with books. I don't, um, I like to consume, you know, growth and knowledge and inspiration with, through people. Yeah, you know, I like to listen to people speak and inspire and, you know, talk about their experience. I don't, generally you know read a lot like i like to be entertained when i read like i like to like read a good story like not like you know you know uh four-hour work week or like yeah know, all that stuff and it's like you know to me it's like great but like uh, that doesn't light my fire
0: yeah i hear you so do you real quick do you have any goals that you want to hit by the end of the year
1: yeah you know a, a big a big goal for me is to be um to to grow waterpalooza that's our 21 goal funny enough it's a 22 event but for 20 for for 21 you know we want to show up to a full-fledged event you know as a business we want to show up to a full-fledged event full capacity expand the event to like five new disciplines you know and really start to open up and include more people in that event um that's a big goal and then execute a couple of our events as a part of the season hopefully that those are two big business goals to be present really right? yeah And then use these times that, you know, are stressful um, for us as a business to grow, right? And so that's the the big Wadapalooza piece, which is like, we got this time. Normally, we drink through a fire hose 12 months a year. Uh We're executing five events. Athletes are all over the world doing appearances. We're flying all over the globe. Other events that they're competing at, you know, we have marketing business we care for. Um, you know, we want to do a good job for the people, you know, our partners, you know, brands we care for, but, you know, really take the time to be mindful about how, when we get back to some sort of normalcy, we're ready to go.
0: Yeah. Very cool. That water pollution is, this is one of my bucket lists to, to go to. So
1: well, you need to make sure you get in touch with me all the hell that I've raised in your presence. <laughs> you need to when you're coming, I'll be offended if you don't let me know you're coming. I want to make sure we take
0: care. Uh, of you. I will, don't worry. So, um once again, thank you for taking the time and I'm sorry I have to cut it short cuz this the Zoom upgrade just s- spawned on me, so
1: We'll do we'll do it again sometime, dude. It's great to see you. Yeah. I appreciate it.
0: All right, you too. All, All right. right. Thank you very much.